The following podcast contains adult themes, adult humour, and particularly adult language. It is not intended for children. You're listening to the Ground Level Podcast with Dennis Jose Francois. Hello. Dan Collacott. Hi. Brownie. Hello. And me, Lofty. This is the discussion show for the rest of us. The one where we look at everyday problems suffered by everyday people and try to come up with a few solutions. Ladies and gentlemen and children under the age of 18, it's time, finally, after a long hiatus for another Ground Level podcast. And it's been a long while, but, you know, the, the last 12 months have been so such a, a roller coaster ride. We thought, how could we not pass comment on it? So uh, we've decided to do a, a look at the year 2020, the year of hell. Let's just let's just start with it. Let's go back to the beginning of the year. Let's throw our minds back. You know, just coming out of Christmas, January. Could you imagine then where we are, where we would be now? Where did you? What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> let's just start with that. I remember exactly um, exactly where I was when I first heard about coronavirus because I was at the Microsoft Ignite conference at the Excel Center, and. I came out of like one of the lecture theatres and I'd been speaking to the guy who was hosting it and he said to me, oh, have you heard of this thing? Have you heard of this thing called coronavirus? And I was like, no, no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, you want to you want to look at this website? Trust me, this is there's something going on. It's in China. And he showed me the website and it was basically like three counters, number of people infected, number of people recovered and the worst one. And at that point in time, there was like 8,000 cases in China. And that was 23rd of January, something like that. And um, yeah, that then it all went a little bit weird. What about you, Brownie? Had you heard of the coronavirus in January? I hadn't heard of it. But this time last year, my mum, she, she had this cough. It went on for ages she was really sick she had a cold it got worse it got worse she went to the doctors they sent her away said it was viral uh we were on holiday last christmas came back the minute we got back she was in hospital for two weeks on a ventilator on oxygen they didn't know what was wrong with her every time we went there uh they said we don't know what it is it's very serious we don't know if she's going to make it you have these crp levels which is your levels of protein which should be about 30 i think and my mum's was 450 and the doctors were like, we just don't know how your mum is alive. She's 77. And she came out of that and took a couple of months to get over it. And now they put, they've written it off as severe pneumonia because I think maybe at the time they didn't weren't looking for anything else. But she was so sick. She had all the same symptoms as, you know, that we know now. So I do wonder whether she had it or was like one of the first in the UK because we don't actually know when it, hit the UK. Didn't you? What about you, Dan? Uh, I guess I did hear about it. I can't remember where I first read about it uh, being in China. And I think 
there was a lot of weird kind of conspiracy theories, even at that time, about where it had come from, um, about the origins of it. But it still felt like it was an Asian-based virus. And I think at the point, you know, clearly not a, not a good thing. Clearly it was worrying even at that point because, as the three of you know, I love my apocalyptic zombie films. I, uh, Brownie does as well. Um, so I've seen so many scenarios in fiction play out the same way as this was playing out. But I think the point where I really held my breath and was like, ah, oh, shit, this is, this is not good, was when it appeared in Italy. Um, I think it was... Well, no, first of all, it went from China, and I think it, it may, may have been something like Thailand and Hong Kong, and there was a few cases, but it, it was still broadly contained in Asia. But as soon as it jumped to Europe, I thought, we're in trouble. And, yeah, as it, as it panned out. I so this time last year, or rather, let's go back to January. The only thing on my mind was moving to Canada, and we were busy getting, you know, emptying the house and getting rid of stuff and packing and everything. And I think I was vaguely aware that there was something going on. But I remember once we actually emptied our house, which was like it was about the twenty eighth of January. We spent the last six days in the UK living in a in a Premier Inn, which hey, that was fun. Um, like Alan Park. Yeah. <laughs> we um at that point we sort of started once all of our stuff went into a into a container a shipping container and then we've got nothing left right so then you start to think you start to relax a bit and we say oh so what's going on in the news and I remember Gavin saying to me oh what about this uh this virus thing that's going on in 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 China and I I'm pretty sure I said something like ah it's just going to be like the last one uh, SARS yeah. and Lars and whatever they'll deal with it a few hundred people will die it won't make it over here I'm not worried that was and then the day we flew out to Canada when we arrived the first news story we saw is there's a case in Canada I think it was the 3rd of February and the day we arrived the first case of coronavirus was here not in Montreal where I am now but it was in Vancouver and then we were like oh wow that 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 was quick yeah you know and then it just started to unfold um what was quite remarkable was uh one of my colleagues at work here uh, had just come back from Thailand and the week after we came back from Thailand three people in the office got really 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 sick and it just and something like fluish coldish spread through the building and um and then it went and everyone was okay. And then they sent, a, then about a month later, the company sent a, 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 an email around saying, like, anybody who's been on work trips to Asia needs to go into lockdown, or whatever. And we were all like, oh crap, have we actually already had it? We're convinced yeah. that our, our colleague was patient zero for North America. I'm convinced that we've all had it here. I've not, uh, I've not had a test, so I don't know. Mm. So, so here's my, my first question on this to you guys. Have, ha, have you all been tested? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dan? No. no, I haven't either. Uh, and how was that? How was your testing experience? Uh, first one we had uh, was fine. It was a drive through at Chesington. But it was a drive through at Chesington on Freddie's fourth birthday. So we're trying to explain to a four-year-old as we drive into Chesington World of Adventures, no, 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 this really isn't a surprise. We really are going to go and have a COVID test. And they're like, oh, we're going to go on the, you know, whatever the rides are. 
And oh. they were like, uh, <laughs> no, we're really going here. Anyway, um, and I, so you were, and wait, wait, you weren't there to go to Chesterton. You were there to, for, just for the test. Yes, on his actual oh, birthday. Talk about yeah. disappointment. That's harsh. Um, you, you literally, you could see the roller coasters in your yeah. line as someone's jabbing a, a swab in your gob. Yeah. But mum. <laughs> shut up and take this yeah and, and, the, and the thing is you've got the woman at the car door and, and you're not allowed to wind your windows down windows down like something out of jurassic park because they come out and yeah. you. And so she's like screaming through the window what you're supposed to do and you're like i can't hear you so she said wind your window down a bit so she wound her window down a bit she took off her mask she told us what we had to do and then and i was just like okay fine that's cool whatever so we did the test and that was it was all negative but it was fine I've had a couple now. And did you have those? For, was it because you felt that you might have been exposed? Or we felt that we've been just exposed, to... and there was something coming up. I can't remember what it was. Where this was when I think we were coming out of lockdown, and we were meeting up with um, people outside. I think it might have been for my birthday. And so, just to do the responsible thing, we were like, "Well, let's just all get a test and make sure we are negative before we then go ahead and meet whoever." What about you, John? What about your tests? Um, yeah, so we had one. Um, basically, Esme had two of the three symptoms. She had a bit of a high temperature and um, uh, a cough. And um, nursery basically told us that she couldn't come back without a negative test result. So um, we went to Aylesbury, uh, Aylesbury Test Centre. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't think it was, I think it was right near, it was literally just after, um, just after they could go back to nursery. Um, I can't remember exactly when that was after the first lockdown, I think. And I think that's when they'd really started ramping up the testing, but the, I, I didn't think it was very well organized. Um, and it was obvious that it wasn't like NHS people doing the testing, um, and and I just from a from a from a kind of process point of view, I was thinking, well, you could do this and this and this, and it would make it a lot faster. Um, anyway, we got the, the the problem was was that we got tested on the got tested on one day, and we were told within forty eight hours we should get the test results back. That didn't happen. I rang up Test and Trace, and they said, oh, yeah, sometimes it takes longer than that. You need to wait five days from your test. I was like, okay, so that was like the Saturday. Rang them again, and the woman said, "Well, if we can't find them now, we've probably lost them." I was like, "Right." I said, "Well, my my daughter has already missed a week of nursery, so you're telling me she's going to miss another one?" She said, "Yes, probably, because I don't know where the test is. I don't know where the test results are. You need to go and get retested." So this time, we ordered home test kits, and um, got those, sent those off. Five days later, the original test results came in to say that we were negative, and I'm still waiting to see on the other test results. <laughs> I haven't got those. So, so there's there's been a lot of talk about the home test kits that they always come up positive, no matter like people have like done the test on a on a puddle, or they've done it on like a, 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 on, yeah. a, a house plant, on a melon, and it comes up positive. The problem, the problem with the the problem with the home testing is that you're not you know you're not a you're not a um, a clinical professional, right? Which I'd argue are nor the people that were in Aylesbury car park. And I think it has to be, 
it has to be that to get a decent test. Yeah, but no one, you're not, um, you're not getting that clinical test. No one's getting that unless you're obviously a nurse or whatever. Yeah. Whether you're driving or getting yeah. them at home, you've still got to do it yourself. And But th- this is the thing about like schools next month here, which like, they, they want to open schools and um, they want them to do the testing themselves at schools. So this this guy that he was like national head teacher union or whatever and um he said he said that the government had been saying how the pilot was successful and yes it was successful but it was successful because the army were doing the testing on the children inside a school and now and now you're now putting it on the teachers for the teachers to do it and i i just i just can see that that's going to be a complete nightmare it's going to be it's going to be very difficult um, and I and I don't really see how you can trust that testing. I just don't understand. From day one, they had an opportunity. Considering, if you think of your local GP being, you know, to to a population of a few thousand, there's one GP. In fact, there's multiple GPs. But they've never considered at any point using GP uh, clinics various different health centers across the globe to actually do any any testing i I think i think but i think the reason for that dan is because uh especially at the beginning they were very worried don't i seem to remember the early the early position was if you think you've got it stay at home do not go to the doctor do not go to the hospital because they don't want you to infect anybody and i think that's the reason for that i do question you know, setting up testing centers in a car park. Uh, but, you know, you've got to do them somewhere. So I, the yeah. only thing I can think of is that's the reason that they... Yeah, but, that and I agree with that. And that, that was the point. But I don't know what it's like uh, for you guys. Well, not, not yourself, Dennis, because you're in Canada. But as far as I know, every time I go past my health center, there's no one in there. There's no one in it. It's empty. They're not, they're not accepting face-to-face appointments so at least if not now but for a lot of the pandemic you know the 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 passage of time during this pandemic a lot of doctor surgeries have been practically empty why wouldn't you then rather than you know if if you're not dealing with day-to-day appointments why wouldn't you why wouldn't you use them i don't really understand hmm so Fair point. Um, what I wanted to just highlight is actually the difference in testing between Canada and the UK. Because you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the UK you can only get a test if you have symptoms. Is that right? Yeah. Not anymore. Oh, really? Not anymore. I don't think so. I think I think anyone can get a test at any time uh-huh. now. Right, because the position in Canada has been from the beginning, anyone can be tested at any time, and they've got yeah, and it you wasn't, get your results within twenty four hours. And it's yeah, been like that since the beginning of summer, so at least, um, which has helped keep things. We've probably got about per population half to maybe a third the number of amount of virus here. As I mean, obviously Canada is a massive country. We've got half the population of the UK, but per population, it's about a third of the numbers over here. What I wanted to talk about though was, uh, do you think? I mean, I. I say, I'm asked this a bit of a rhetorical question that this has brought out the worst or the best in humanity. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the pandemic. I mean, let's start with the first thing that happened, the panic buying. 
did you guys, do you guys have off camera piles and piles of toilet paper? Come on, be honest. No. No. Did any of you do that? None of you did that? Okay. Did you, did you panic by anything at all? I definitely bought an extra pack of pasta or an extra sauce. I didn't, I definitely didn't go and buy like five packs of pasta or, you know, 50 toilet rolls or anything like that. But I definitely, there was a part of me that was like, I'm just going to get a couple of extra bits because you can feed the kids on pasta every single day and they honestly don't give a crap. But um, well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like a snowball effect. When when someone says, when, when they, they put panic buying, people are panic buying toilet roll mm-hmm. on the TV, the, the conversation that me and Katie had were probably similar to you and Jim. Well, you know, just in case, maybe we should buy an extra one. So, you know, everyone's having those kind of conversations. So everyone is buying double. But, you know, yeah, whatever. it's about to kick and, off and, and, as we speak because they've advertised the fact yeah. that yeah. due to um, this new slight, well, more aggressive strain, well, it's not aggressive, it's more... Um, more virulent. There you more go. More transmissible. transmissible. No, no, no. It's not more virulent. More transmissible. More, transmissible. Yeah. more infectious um, strain of COVID. So because France have now they they closed their shipping lanes and immediately Sainsbury's started saying, "Oh, we're going to have shortages of food." They've already been talking about shortages of food because we're now back in lockdown. So. And there's also Brexit coming, which will, in itself, immediately turn Kent into a, or the Kent coast into a car park. So everyone, there's already this smell of panic where people are are starting to go out and panic buy again. But didn't Sainsbury's actually say that there will be enough of everything for everyone but you won't be able to get like exotic fruits or stuff like that that we're yeah. used to having all year round that you wouldn't normally get. Totally. But, but, the but, but people aren't rational. That, that you, no, you, you throw a tiny seed. We're going to run out of food in yeah. two weeks' time. That was what the headline I woke up to this yeah. morning. Yeah. It's insane. Really it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it is insane. But what I like about what the thing, the one thing that I think is really good, and but I don't think it's going to change, is this. Um, like kind of capitalist mindset I've got to have something better than somebody else and I think what this hopefully will do but I don't think it will I'm, I'm being optimistic is that there will be a kind of level playing field so there's going to be like one or two types of pasta rather than 500 <laughs> yeah. types of pasta or there's going to be one or two types of toilet roll rather than 500 types of toilet roll it doesn't really matter pasta's pasta at the end of the day and I <laughs> it is. It is not. It is. it is not. You tell that to the Italians. Uh, well, uh, it, it is not. Yeah, but but it, that's what I mean. I, I I think we have too much choice, and and it get things get a little bit crazy because of that. And I don't think it's very healthy. So okay, okay. But the next time you get a lasagna and it's made with spaghetti, you're going to be the first person that's grumbling about that. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Lasagna's lunch. Yeah, but you are one hundred percent right. I mean, I I genuinely hope from this. I mean, we we talk about the high street and the death of the high street, which was going on even before COVID started. But if people stop buying random shit they don't fucking need all the time, yeah, it might be you know a better place. I mean, I bet the three of you, right, generalising here have bought 
less clothes. I know kids aside, kids obviously are growing all the time and need new clothes. I bet there's that point where you think, okay, I would normally, if it's spring or summer or winter, I'd normally be buying this, a new pair of trainers, a new coat, and some whatever the, the shoes, even even just things for the, for what you realize you were doing just for the sake of it. Yeah. But because suddenly we're not going out and socializing, you're like, well, do I do I really need to look any different than I do now? You're completely right, Dan. I have bought one shirt since I came to Canada, and it was a Hawaiian. <laughs> it's a Hawaiian shirt, and uh, that turned out to be not very useful. That's because so, uh, you took all my t-shirts when you went to Canada. What? You still got that Lego I mean, Man t-shirt? I know it. Uh, that might that might be in the charity shop in two weeks now. Oh. Hang on, I'll have a look. I might still have it, actually. Uh, you're never going to forgive me for that. So, um, okay. Then it's just bricking it. So can I just say about the panic buying, which is really interesting that happened to us because we got here in Canada on the 3rd of February and our container, we had a full-size shipping container of, our, of everything, but it didn't arrive at until the 9th of March. So for the first month, we just left with the luggage that we came with and it was like being on a very long holiday. We were in corporate apartment paid for by my company. Um, and then we found this house and it's a fantastic house. We were here one day and our shipping container arrived. Now, of course, we weren't able to ship uh, food or drink, alcohol, anything like that, right? So, and we didn't buy any because we didn't have a house to live in. We were living out of restaurants and stuff. So the first thing we did on the night, on the 10th of March, is we went to the supermarket and we bought shitloads of stuff because we had absolutely nothing. Um, and of course, in Canada, you really seriously do get snowed in. I mean, temperature here goes down to minus 35 maybe minus 40 for long periods of time it was minus 18 yesterday so you don't want to be going out to shop in that weather so people have massive fridges they have massive freezers and people stock up it's a it's it's a a done thing you'd be stupid not to so we went out and we did that and then about a week later lockdown happened so we weren't affected by the panic buy because we'd actually just gone out and stocked up with like, you know, tons of toilet paper and all of that. So as a result, the Canadians, there was a little, there was a little, <laughs> there was a little bit of it here, but the Canadians are all ready for this kind of stuff. If you live out here in Canada, you've got to be prepared to spend two weeks indoors, you know, because you may not be able to leave your house because of piles of snow outside. So um, obviously not all of Canada's like that, but. What's the media like out there? Do they, like, when you've got, you know, like, when it snows here, the media are like, oh, my God, you can't go anywhere. Everyone's going to die if you're over 70. It's, it's, all a it's so different here. I mean, we, you know, I always like to, morning, I have the radio set to local radio. In London, I'm listening to combinations of, you know, Radio 1, Radio London, local Wandsworth Radio, which is always good for a laugh, Radio Jackie. We love Radio Jackie. Yeah, uh, yeah. But here, when you listen to the equivalents, it's so sensible. The narrative is completely different. It's not sensationalist it's like it makes me realize that listening to the radio in, the, in england is the same as reading the sun newspaper mm, yeah. that's that right. everything's a joke everything's a laugh nothing's taken seriously everything's sensationalized and that just doesn't happen here i mean the canadians are so sensible it's it's it, it's crazy at the beginning when we went into lockdown it was unofficial as soon as the pandemic hit and the prime minister goes on the radio here and says you know we probably should uh, stay away from each other and uh, stay and everyone's like okay then and they all stay home and it wasn't actually an official ruling the first time around. yeah it went about a month before they actually said no 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 we're going to make it official now right this time around we've been back in lockdown since october 
full lockdown because the, the cases started to rise. So the prime minister of the premier of Quebec said, you know what, maybe we should all stay inside for a while. That was on the 1st of October and we are still in it. And people don't really, there's a few complaints, but people just get on with it, you know? See, so, I think I think the problem there is that here, people people have been people have been told what to do most of the time right and that message has sometimes been um a little bit convoluted and mixed up and instead of people using their own common sense they have defaulted to the i'm going to i'm going to be told what to do position i think and then that's where the confusion has happened because it has been confusing whereas Whereas, like, like for instance, take take Christmas here. Like, I was having this conversation with my brother, and he was saying to me, so because he he doesn't really follow the news or anything, so he's like, so I'm in a tier three place, and then on the twenty third to the twenty seventh, I can do whatever I like. I was like, yeah, and he's like, why? I don't understand, and I'm like, well, I don't really understand either, um, and I couldn't really. I couldn't really give him a kind of sane reason as to why why that would happen. I mean, that's that's not that's notwithstanding that you know that has screwed up a lot of plans for a lot of people, including ours, and that hasn't gone down very well. But I don't know. There's 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 a point that it's it's very the problem. It's very difficult. The problem is with that is that they throughout all of this, all the politicians have told us what to yeah. do, and then they go and do whatever the fuck they want. And then with this, um, they uh, they gave us all these promises about from the 23rd to the 27th, you'll be free. And then four days before Christmas or whatever it is, they're like, no, actually, you're not. So you build up everyone's yeah. hopes. and then. So this is why I was asking, do you think this has brought about the worst in everybody? No. Because, no. Um, one thing that's happened over here, I, I just said how great the Canadians were about it, but one of the first things that happened, I swear it must have been within five days of, of any kind of like lockdown and quarantine, was a whole bunch of scams relating to the coronavirus, yeah. like phone scams. Yeah. People ringing up saying, you've, you've been tested positive and, you know, some convoluted thing. And I was like, my God, it did not take people yeah. any amount yeah. of time to figure out people coming to your door. And you know, trying to sell you like fake gear, um, uh, but I just, um, I just couldn't. I, I was just sort of shocked at how quickly that happened. At how you know what's happening here now, Dennis? My aunt, she's like in her eighties, and her neighbour got a visit from an NHS van. NHS uniform people knocked on the door, said we are uh, registering elderly people in the area for um, COVID tests, or um, and then to know whether they want the vaccine. All you have to do is fill out all of your details. And it's like, obviously, your bank details, your whatever, like your address, wow. they know your address is at your house. And this is a new thing. And my mum was telling me, and I thought, oh, she must have heard this on Facebook or something. And it was an actual thing that happened to my aunt's uh, neighbour. Yeah, so like you say, like straight away, it's like they're there waiting. Yeah. Oh. It's but I remember, I remember at the start of the first lockdown, what seemed to coincide, and I don't know if you remember this, was really amazing weather. It was like yeah. the moment the moment the Prime Minister was like, everybody stay inside and don't go out unless you have to, for, unless for a bit of exercise. It was like gorgeous sunshine. Mm. So I was going around to my 
my local park and it was a case of zero fucks given on mass everyone was out there sunbathing huge huge groups because all the kids were off it was like no one wanted to to keep their children in the house and sending them out into the park and it was just the, the, the i've never seen the park so overrun with people not not social distancing literally this was obviously before masks became a thing which kind of started on public transport and then they started it for shops but i i, I remember like walking around my area and it was so difficult to keep away from people because it felt like everyone had just decided that their right was you know and it i'm not saying they're in the wrong but they were going out for their daily exercise, but their daily exercise seemed to involve them, their entire children, about four other households worth of children, friends, uh, football, cricket games. And I was just like, hang on. Surely people kind of understand how this works and how easy it is to sort of transfer this virus, even at that time. And and in those instances so this happened in london all across london pictures may be exaggerated in the media all these people in parks all these black lives matter you know protests and whatever and it was like oh you wait two weeks time the numbers are going to go through the roof and they didn't and i'm not saying they went down but this panic of if you are within two meters of someone else you are it's going to spread massively and i'm not saying go out there, burn your masks and snog everyone you see. (laughs) There was also an element of people did do that and they did go to parks and they did do what they shouldn't have done, but the numbers didn't spike massively, did they? Okay, so one of the things about the... um about the worst of human nature as we we're just talking about you know big gatherings people refusing to wear masks and stuff at what point did you feel that you that you should be wearing a mask or do you even feel that are you in the groups of people that think that masks aren't making a difference how do you feel about that john um i don't know really i i think masks only make a difference if everyone's wearing a mask um because it's 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 protecting it's it's protecting others, isn't it? Well, supposedly protecting others. Well, only if you wear a mask and wash it every single day and put a fresh new mask on every day. Right. No one's doing that. So that's why the World Health Organization said, actually, they don't work that well. So that's, mm. it's interesting because we, we get something different over here, that masks reduce the amount that the virus is likely to spread by 25% per person. So if everybody works wears them, that's half the chances. Um, and I mean, there was this whole feature yesterday about what to do with a very real problem that you go out and your mask gets frozen because of the snow, because it happens, like all the breath congeals on the inside and then it freezes and then the freezing breaks down the mask and how to avoid that and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's been wearing masks the entire time here. I mean, we didn't probably for the first two or three weeks, but we very quickly got them and wore them. And what it did for me is it made me feel a little bit less anxious. Yeah, I agree. You walk down the street and you pass someone and you smell their bad breath or their perfume or whatever and you think, oh crap, I could have coronavirus now. 
you wear a mask and that's and that's out the window do you know what i mean at least that anxiety because the first few weeks i would wake up in the morning with a slight tickling in my throat and i'd be like oh my god i'm gonna yeah. die you know and uh that getting rid of that anxiety is quite important well looking at looking at the who website right not as in the band they are great um it says masks should be used as part of a comprehensive strategy of measures to suppress transmission and save lives. The use of a mask alone is not sufficient to provide an adequate level of protection against COVID-19. And then clean your hands before you put your mask on, as well as before and after you take it off and after you touch it at any time. Make sure it, <laughs> what that was. Make sure it covers both your nose, mouth and chin. When you take off a mask, store it in a clean plastic bag and dispose of a medical mask and trash bin. Yeah, Don't most, use masks with valves. Most people aren't doing that. No, um, at definitely all. not. What but about the hand washing? Hang on, Dennis. You, you look at Japan, and I think Japanese people are smart, and they've been suppressing um, colds and flu and other viruses. Well, I mean, flu is COVID form of virus, isn't it? Um, on the tube, you know, on their underground system, They've, they've been doing that for decades. And as soon as they yeah. brought it over here and they sort of suggested it, it made perfect sense that if you would be doing it on the tube, which is obviously a very kind of contained, crowded place, it then makes sense to do it in shops. I mean, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not supermarkets where there's a huge amount of space and ventilation. But, it, it you know, from my from my perspective, I, I always feel less anxious about COVID if I'm indoors in a public place and there's and everyone's wearing a mask. It just feels, you know, a lot easier to just get on with things if that's the case. But to be fair, it never is. There's always one person that can't be bothered. No, but you don't know why. Yeah. You don't know that they can't be bothered. And this whole thing is created. This whole judgmental... Yeah, like looking at someone thinking, why aren't they wearing a mask? So there could be a million reasons. You have no idea why they're not wearing a mask. Just don't go near them. I do. I mean, because it's just not just one person. It's not just one age. It's nothing to do with any specific. I don't know demographic. How else can you see it? I mean, there's no there's no correlation. It's not just you know. It's not just youth. It's not just people on mobile phones. It could be old ladies, it could be young people, it could be people our age. I don't think there's any particular, you know, rhyme or reason or, or trends to it. It's just people that can't be bothered. And I, I think it, it's, it's poor because I don't think of it as so much, you know, paranoia and, and safety for myself. It's if, if a little old lady or old man, or someone who who does have health issues um, is in that space with that person who has, who's, who's basically, they're carrying it, they've got no symptoms, they're asymptomatic, and they pass it on. I just think it's irresponsible. It's not a difficult thing to do, for fuck's sake. And if everyone else is doing it, and the government's telling us to do it, why do, why do people think that, you know, forget it, I can't no, be bothered? The government aren't telling everyone to do it. The government are even saying, unless you have a health condition and they're not all visible and they're not all apparent and you don't know what someone might have asthma but has to take their child to school and wearing that mask may put them into a situation that would, you know, I'm not saying everyone, Dan. I do agree there are some people that are obviously like, 
I'm not doing it. I can't be bothered. I do agree there are people like that. But I'm just saying there's this whole point your finger and, you know. Yeah, I would I would agree that it, the world has become quite judgmental and that sort of takes us down the road where where they've ended up in the United States, which is very close to where I'm sitting right now. It's a 45-minute Uber drive to America, uh, which I'm uh, consciously aware of, where over there things are, you know, like just completely crazy. Um, I'm sure you guys must have seen, well, I don't know, because obviously I'm exposed to a lot of US TV news, much more than I was in the UK. We actually pick up local news here. Did you see the Florida appeals about wearing masks. Did you did you guys ever see any of that on TV? No. They went in front of the Florida legislator and they had all these different people who were opposing the rules about wearing masks. And they are nuts. I'll see if I can find the link and put it in the show notes. They are, you know, people coming up talking about, about it's, you know, God's great breath and who are we oh, to deny what the Lord has told us about breathing and... It's just the most unbelievable, crazy stuff you've ever, ever, ever heard. And the, and the USA has been the most obstinate, difficult country about all of the health measures, the social distancing, the wearing the masks, the all of it. And guess what? They're in the most trouble. They're in mm. the most trouble by far. At one point, it looked like India and and Russia were kind of catching up. Uh, or, or Brazil, not that it's a league or anything, but America, if you look at the current figures, there's literally twice as much of everything in the United States. It doesn't work, it doesn't make sense, not with the population, not with the level of wealth in the country. The technology just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, it's crazy down there. Borders being closed for a year, by the way. <laughs> but it, it's also very similar, just to say, Sweden at the start, sort of during the first lockdown maybe the first two lockdowns sweden were being held up as this country that were this great example because they didn't go into lockdown they don't believe in suppressing human rights or, or forcing people to act in certain ways it's, it's against their kind of whole ethos of society so they didn't do it and now they're, they're slowly sliding into the the same level of hell as us and, and everyone's, there's this whole vilification politically, socially over there. There's this whole, you know, why didn't we do this? You know, they're, they're, they're scraping over the coals trying to sort of, you know, blame people because it, it's gone horribly wrong. Um, and it, it was, I mean, it was weird because obviously, you know, I, I had a window into it through, you know, that fact, um, you know, Susan's Swedish. And all the time, I was like, her family and friends over there didn't seem to be doing anything differently. And I didn't really get a sense of, I think one of her brothers had COVID once. Um, but everything seemed to be fairly normal and carrying on. And I, it, I felt quite bitter about it. I was like, well, I don't understand. Why is that the case? But yeah, clearly, um, clearly they have a, a, a much less dense population so there's there are reasons around that but yeah it, it's it's weird how it's all kind of kicked off now um and now they're they're having to uh, a slightly more suggested lockdown it's not it's not entirely being enforced i don't think but there's still a lot of um you know they're they're being they're now being told to wear masks on public transport and shops and to social distancing.
and it's like they're, they're coming around to where we were back in March. So it's really strange. It just depends how close to ground level you are. Yeah, so the, the good side of it for me, and, and, I, and I think this year has actually been really... For me, I think I've had quite a good year. Was, I know, I know, coronavirus, etc. But when when it first started, um, uh, this this lady started this Berkhamsted coronavirus kind of like community group, and the idea was to kind of help elderly and vulnerable people. And um, Katie showed it to me, and I don't know, I just I just decided to kind of get involved and help her. And um, within within two weeks we'd managed to get 250 volunteers covering all 320 streets in Berkhamsted. And, and, and they were basically, they, they were forming like their own WhatsApp groups with people. And it was just really, it was just really nice to see that side of it. And, um, I got an email from this, from this guy. And, uh, he said he was, he said he was like 75 and he lived on his own because his um, wife had died like 15 years ago. And apart from going to the shops, that's pretty much all he did. He didn't really do anything else. He didn't really see anyone else. He didn't really co- communicate with anyone else. And um, and he said he said this is the third email I've ever sent. Hmm. And I was like, right, okay. And um, and I said, well, and I replied to him. And I said, that sounds great. But how, how did you get to you know use email and stuff? And he said, well, um, Jane from number fifty four. Um, came round to my doorstep and knocked on my door as she knew that I was that I knew she knew that there was an elderly person in the house because she'd seen me coming in and out of it but not ever known who it was and basically because of this Facebook group and because we'd kind of got these volunteers um, working on the ground kind of thing he then his his social life has like blossomed they got him they got him they got him a phone they showed him how to use email. He's using Zoom with his grandkids, and like for fifteen years, he'd basically been living like a hermit. Mm. Wow. And and he's like, you know, it's it's kind of changed my life. And that was just one person like that. We were having Zoom calls with with the volunteers like every two weeks, and at least one of them would come up with some similarish kind of story about someone that you know they didn't even know that. There was someone living in number fourteen, whatever, and 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 they just kind of like come out of their shell and were you know were kind of the community spirit was really really good. Um, yeah, that was that was really that was really nice. Wouldn't and, be and, if that and, was reported more. You know, yeah. what we all need yes. to hear. There's so much well, that's, going on. I mean, I said that's, a, that's an interesting thing. You asked me earlier about the news here, and we get a lot of that kind of good news stuff going on mm. here. And mm. I find that it's very well balanced, and it really does feel quite different from what we see in the UK. What I've taken to do now is I watch the Canadian, the CBC, which is like the Canadian version of the BBC, the CBC News, the BBC News, and the American news and to get a sort of a wide range and the way things are reported are so vastly different from each other. Yeah. Especially, and now I'm going to move, let's move along from coronavirus to the next biggest topic of the year when it came to Black Lives Matter and all the various civil unrest process, pro, uh, protests that happened. It was remarkable, the differences. The most noticeable surprise to me was when we were watching on Canadian news on a Saturday morning uh, the violence and um, protest stuff that had erupted in Trafalgar Square in London 
with which was basically a bunch of football hooligans and right-wing Nazi louts had gone down to Trafalgar Square to protest to protest against people protesting against Black Lives Matter. And I switched to the BBC, and there was nothing like nothing. It yeah. took at least 12 hours before anything about it was being reported on British broadcast TV. And we literally had them side by side at one point. It was on American TV, it was on Canadian TV, and it was not being reported on British TV at all. And that's the first time I've ever encountered that kind of news suppression before. And it was shocking. You know, it's like, hang on, I'm seeing video of people with Nazi signs and throwing stuff and fighting police and and being basically fascist and racist racist and another bunch of people on the other side whatever and then you look on the bbc and they're talking about something completely different mm. like it's like it wasn't going on and that's I think uh, the bbc uh, the bbc are in a in a hard position because they they basically have to um please the politicians that are in power because that's where they get their money from i mean i know it's the tv license but that's where it comes from. And they also have to kind of be on the edge of, you know, the kind of better, um, not better, the, the, um, the kind of more positive stories. Yes. I, the thing is, though, John, I, I suspect that if I'd been able to see Sky News, it would have been suppressed there, too. I don't mm. think it was the BBC. I think there was mm. a, suppress, a, was it a, a de-order or whatever they call it going on yeah. Um, yeah. To, to keep the news out because it was normally I don't think the BBC would. I just got that feeling that they weren't deliberately suppressing it. They weren't. Mm. Sorry, they weren't. They were deliberately suppressing it, but it felt like they were being told to because told it was so to. not there. It was it was it was unbelievable. Mm. Um, but it brings to it brought to light the whole Black Lives Matter stuff um, has been quite was I think quite a shock for a lot of people. Some of the stuff that goes on, I, but I don't really know what it was like in the UK. I mean, obviously over here in North America, it was very pertinent, and um, up here in Canada as well. There are still I, I've been surprised to learn about what an issue it is with race here. You know, I, I grew up in London. I never felt that there were that really racial problems in London growing up. Um, certainly that, you know, as a black man, I never really encountered. I come here and it's a completely different story. It's quite surprising, even in Canada. Um, so is, that, is this still an issue going on in the UK at the moment? Or is that is that just last summer's news now and everybody's moved on? It's definitely not being, you know, it was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, the process. in the summer especially. Yeah, and then it just disappeared. And it's almost as if, um, was it like the last elections in the US where there was a similar Black Lives Matter type protest and in America? And it's almost as if it does this cycle where it, it's such an important yeah. topic and it appears and it's everywhere and then it's gone. And it's like, well, where, where's, where did that go? You know? Do you, do you think, because do you think that it possibly was a useful thing to distract everybody's attention from coronavirus? Oh, it definitely did for a bit. But then, of course, you've got all people saying, well, how are they in the middle of town protesting together that it's going to create more coronavirus? So it, that never really went away. There but... was um, a period um, where the focus kind of shifted on um, stop and search. And I remember there was a few uh, celebrities, there was a few celebrities, few athletes who had recorded their you know, and taken footage of them being stopped and searched or forced forced out of a car. So there was there was a period. Yeah. It, it felt like maybe maybe two or three weeks 
before it, it disappeared again, as, as Brownie said, where there was a focus on it. Um, and there was a lot... I remember seeing a lot of ignorant jokes and memes with people going, all lives matter. Uh, it was just like completely you know, yeah. missing the point. Um, mm. And a lot of people taking exception to not 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 the actual you know the 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 issue of racial equality and the importance of that but there seem to be some blurred lines between defunding the police and you know left wing um ideology which was being spread by US news you know trump supporters do you do you do you think anything has changed in that regard because we know that the world has changed because of coronavirus, that's for sure. But do we think that the whole Black Lives Matters protest has changed anything? Certainly in the UK, that's what I'm curious to know. Is anything different? Is I, don't, that... I don't think so. I don't think so, no. I wouldn't know. I'm a, I'm a white woman. I live in yeah. a predominantly right. white area. Um, and everybody's just stayed at home, I suppose. So you would even notice out on the street if anything was different. I, really. I think it's yeah. good so, that um, mm. at the beginning of every football match in front of TV cameras um, everyone takes the knee but it just goes to show you how as soon as an audience came back so I think before the the recent lockdown that's just happened happened uh, they were letting two or three thousand I think fans into uh, certain grounds depending on which tier you were in which is ridiculously confusing and as soon as they had a Millwall match <laughs> surprise surprise a Millwall match happened and they had some fans in the ground as soon as the the whistle blew and they took the knee all the Millwall fans in the ground booed and that's when you kind of realized that yeah I, I'm not I'm not sure that um, it, it's made the difference that perhaps people hope Right. Mm. Do you think that certainly for the UK, it's been quite challenging the last couple of years. First of all, we encountered Brexit and the divisions that that brought about amongst people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a 50-50 split, 48-52, they say. So it's very hard to imagine, you know, anyone who isn't on the other side. And I think... Uh, it was quite difficult for people, regardless of which side do you fall on. It's been quite surprising um, how uh, polarizing, even amongst group of friends who otherwise think the same way, have very, very different feelings about it. Uh, that's challenging. And then you have something like uh, coronavirus comes along, and then you have questions about freedom and mask wearing and and all of that. And then you have something like the Black Lives Matter thing shows up, and it's another. And these are all very, very, very in-your-face questions that, as a society, we've had to face in the last couple of years. Do you think it's done? It's made things. Has it, has it opened up conversation, or has it really just well, separated people more? I think really society can only face one big thing at a time. Oh, and that's why, that's, that's, why it becomes, that's why it becomes the dominant that's why it becomes the dominant news story for that time you have brexit then you have coronavirus then you have black lives matter then you don't really see the stories running 
headline together. That's because the majority of the world is run by men, and we all know men can't multitask. So I didn't catch that. I was busy breathing. Can you, can you, can you, I'll hold my breath. Can you say that yeah. again? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do wonder because, and again, let's talk about our friends down south of the border from where I am, because it's really come to a head in the USA. And I don't know how closely you've been following the, the election. We've, we've had our eyes on it quite. It's it's crazy to what, what's happened in America in terms of polarizing the country. Um, yeah. What is the feeling? Because, you know, the whether you love them or hate them, no matter which way you look at it, the fate of the US affects the rest of the world quite dramatically. Um, how was the feeling in the UK at the minute about the way the US election... It's not being reported anymore. It literally, I, I, no. I ardently follow it, and I ardently follow all politics across um, as many countries as I can get information on. But you really have to dig it out now to try and find coverage on it. Um, because it's just getting less and less. Everything's COVID, Brexit, um, and variations of that. How do you are you a, are you a pro or anti-Trump person, John? <laughs> Should I even ask? Me? Yeah. Well, anti-Trump, of course. Brownie? I am anti-Trump, and then uh, it will just drop out my brand now. But he came out one day and he said something. I think I I sent the I commented on it to you, Lofty, and you were like, "What?" I can't remember what it was he said. And he came out one day and I was I was so anti-COVID. I was just like, oh, fuck this, doing my head in. And he came out with this, like, look, just get on with it. Get on with your lives. Wear a mask. Use your common sense. We all have to get on with our lives. And I was in that mood. I was like, yes, Trump. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, I think I agree with Donald Trump. What's going on? But generally, no, I'm not. And that's, that's where Trump is very clever because he, he hooks into that mindset that kind of popularist mindset where where you're kind of at the, you're at the edge of what you can take mm. and someone confirms that mm. and then i'm not saying that this happened to you but to other people i think in america that converts them to trump because then they believe oh well, everything he's saying is right but did you see what was published mm. uh, i think it was today or yesterday where he is sharing I can't remember which which of the which of the right wing news websites it was that he. No, it's not Fox. It's not um, Breitbart. It's another one. Um, it'll come to me. But yeah, there was. Your daily fascist. <laughs> Pretty much, but he he's basically been sharing uh, videos that state that COVID was a hoax in, or, in order to destabilise and his popularity. You know, it, it was you it was invented, wow. taken it was it was taken over to America and people purposely killed a load of people off in, in homes and hospitals in order to make Donald Trump unpopular and to blame him. And it just gets it just gets more and more. So here's here's the interesting thing for me. If you'd asked me four years ago, and I think I actually said this, there's probably an actual Facebook post where I said this, where people said, what are the chances of Brexit happening? And my answer was about as much chance as Donald Trump becoming. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I, st I stand corrected. I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Brexit and the election of Trump in general. Like people, There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between Brexit and the and the, and the election of Trump and, and the way 
people reacted to it. Nobody thought it could happen. You know, people didn't take it seriously. It's been polarizing, etc. Do you think it could happen again? Yeah, it's happening with it. It's happening. It's happening with coronavirus. No, what I mean is, do you think if there was another a referendum in the UK about a serious matter like that, would it? You know, would it ha- would it play out the same way as the previous did? Because no matter which side you're on, right? Even if you were a, a, a Brexiteer, if you were a Lever, you must realise that you know all the stuff they said about you know the, the NHS and the, the 350 million back for the NHS, all of that was just complete and utter bullshit. There was no plan. They did not know what they were doing. You know, everybody must be able to see that. You'd have to be same on the Trump side. If even if you were you know, there's a, a very large number of people who voted for Trump who now realize he was full of shit, right? Mm. Um, there's a whole bunch that don't, that truly believe it, but there's a whole bunch of Republicans that yeah. that, that, that they voted because they were Republican, not because they believed I think it. I think if you, if you look at, if you, if you go to like somewhere like, I don't know, Sunderland or Liverpool or Newcastle, where there were, there were big swathes of the population that were voting Brexit, they, they were voting Brexit because they wanted, they were telling the government, fuck yeah. off. Basically, that's what they were vote. doing because that was their opportunity. It was a protest vote, and it was a direct protest vote to the heart of government. And that's what the problem was. They'd been polarized so they'd been polarized and left in the dark for so long that you know, with with not enough funding to the north, um, the the docks and all of that lot being completely scrapped, steelworks in Sheffield going. You know, that people were saying, you know, enough's enough you know fuck you and they didn't really they weren't thinking of the consequences they were just thinking this is something that i can do and my vote is actually going to be heard this time and i think that's what happened with trump that was the same deal no but that's also what happened sorry that's also what happened why the tories got in power because when uh theresa may lost her majority and they couldn't actually get brexit through and they were just Basically, Parliament was paralysed and they were just bickering amongst themselves for years, fucking years of that. That is why everyone was like, right, so who's going to who's gonna make Brexit happen that I voted for or just stop all this ridiculous um, bickering in Parliament like children? And then everyone just, and, and Tories were the clearest, yep, we'll make Brexit happen, we'll make it, We'll, we'll get on with it and get on with running the country. And everyone was just like, well, that's what we want. We don't want any more of this shit. We don't want to hear anything about it. Let's just get on with it. And that's why they got into power. So so my question is, to just go back, you're right, Dan, but my question is to, 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 to John then, if it was a protest vote, well, same with here in the States, or over there in the States, I should say, then surely people realise that that wasn't actually such a smart thing to do. Do you think that would happen again? Um, get another protest vote like that yes yes i think so i i I have a feeling if if coronavirus hadn't have happened um i think maybe there might have been a different answer to that question but i think there's i think again the country is split again by whether that whether the government has done the right thing or not i was gonna say let me ask you guys then let's see do you think the government's done the right thing or not brownie with regards to the coronavirus i don't know i don't think they've dealt with it well at all I think it's been an utter shambles. It's a difficult one because I'm I'm not a Tory supporter in in any way, shape, or form. But you've people have to take some credit for their actions a little bit. It has to be. It has. It's been very. It's been very difficult across the board. But you know, 
I I've been I've been dealing with my pricks of neighbours. They're not they're not going to see this, but they were having parties during the during lockdown in their back garden. And I'm sorry, they're just thick. They're just thick. Wow. And Dan, do you think the government's done a good job or a bad job? Yeah, I mean, as as John said, I mean, I'm I'm pretty anti-Tory, so it's hard to sort of agree with the decisions they've made. Or it's not so much the decisions they've made; it's the dithering and the the pace at which they've made them. But I I would to try and be balanced about it and not just you know anti-Boris, it doesn't feel as though, certainly in most of the world, certainly in Europe, I don't, obviously Canada may be an exception to the rule, it doesn't feel like many governments have dealt with it very well at mm. all. Apart from some Asian com- countries. And that, I, think that's, I think that's where we fucked up, where we really, where we really screwed up was when um, we didn't close our borders that's what we should have done. We should have done yeah. that, and we didn't. Yeah. We let eighteen million people come through the doors during during that first lockdown without being tested. That's that's a massive problem. That was a huge, huge problem. Let me put this interesting question to you then. In retrospect, looking at what how the government has handled it, and looking at what came before, maybe Theresa Bay wasn't that bad. I don't think she was. She 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 had a tough job. She tried three times to get her Brexit stuff through Parliament, and was just batted down every time and she kept trying she kept trying i i nearly nearly felt sorry for her at one point you know the the problem with politicians and 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 i've i'm sure i've said this before is that you know you notice how different how different theresa may is now that she's not prime minister she is quite vocal in the commons when she speaks and she's quite passionate about what she's talking about if you if you told me that that was the same person when she was in power i'd have told you i thought you're mad she didn't come across with any passion whatsoever. It was like Gordon Brown when he got caught in that in that in that um, car with his microphone still on, and he said he said, "Oh, who put me in front of that bigot?" Yeah, yeah she was a bigot. You're right, she was. Yeah. She was crucified for it, and that's that was so wrong because he, he was right. She was. I think um, earlier on I said about bringing out the worst of human nature, and it's interesting what you just said, John, about uh, what the way the Asian countries handled it was very different from the way the Western countries handled it. Um, and uh, one way I'd like to just demonstrate that is over here, this sort of goes back to something we spoke about earlier, the panic buying. Um, when, when, when the panic buying did kick in and when the supermarket shut down, do you know where we went to do our shopping? We went to the Chinese supermarket. You know why? Because they were empty. Because people are fundamentally yeah. racist and they did not want to shop in a shop. I am not kidding. And I bet it's still the same now, right? I bet it's still the same. same. You know, and Donald Trump with his China flu or was it Kung flu or whatever, and people thinking that way, and that still that still pervades. But also on, on your point, Dennis, about, um, you know, having seen now what coronavirus has done and Trump getting into power and Brexit and everything, I think there was a moment where when Kanye West said that he was going to run for president, that everyone thought, that could happen. It could could happen. I mean, why not? Ronald Reagan was president. Donald Trump was president. Kanye could be president. Have you guys seen the film um, uh, Idiocracy? No. 
Okay, so it's by the the creator of Beavis and Butthead. It's Mike set Judge. in the future. In the future, yes, yeah, Mike Judge. Set in the future where basically intelligent people have bred themselves out of existence because they don't have children, and lots and the stupid people have loads and loads of children. And the president, uh, the president of the USA, is an ex uh, professional wrestler. Uh, no crops grow because they watered them all. Oh, Gatorade because they thought that was good for the plants, and people are just generally thick. What's it, what's it called again? Uh, idiocracy. It's, a, it's, an, it's brilliant. Right, I'm going to watch this. It's really good. And honestly, at a certain point, I thought, oh my God, this is where we're going. It's actually going to be that. It's well, like... I remember when someone told me about um, uh, Corona beer losing money. And I was like, <laughs> I was like are you serious? Yeah. What? And they, they were like telling me, and I was like looking at them, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, they lost £132 million. Pounds. Because of coronavirus. Wow. Oh, my God. It's hard not to, you know, it's hard not to sort of talk about this without examining the fact that, well, what is it? They've they've done various polls that have said something like 48% of people asked if they would have the jab have said no. And you've only got to go on Facebook, Twitter, I've even talked to people I know, and I'm not going to drop drop names or, or, or where I know them from, but I've talked to people who have immediately said, no, I'm not taking it. it it's been rushed through, uh, and I've heard other people, rational people that I know, normal people, call it snake oil, referring to not just the current, um, the current vaccine, but the... the, the two or three others that are also yeah people genuinely distrust things that much and there's so much misinformation people will honestly rather believe something that their mate bob down the pub says or the equivalent in social media terms than what the government a scientist a medical company a pharma company Whoever it is, people would rather believe social media and. Oh. Are you are you saying Dan? Are you saying Dan that if I get the uh, vaccine, it isn't going to be a microchip by Bill Gates in there that's going to track me around the world? Which is my favorite. I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about another thing that's came out this year. I know we've sort of gone a bit over the time we planned, but I did want to talk about conspiracy God. theories because this has been no, the that's, year. That's, a, that's another podcast. We should do another mental. one on that. Yeah, I think we should definitely do another one on, on yeah. conspiracy theories and, and why people believe it and how. And I just yeah. don't. I'm like incredulous. Incredulous. I mean, just that Bill Gates one. Gates one. Alone, what would he stand to get? He's already. He's the third richest man in the world now. Uh, Elon Musk has got more money in it than, than him as well. So he's already got like billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? He's got windows in every household and everyone's pockets, so he doesn't need to control the world. He already <laughs> yeah. does. What would he stand to gain? Just logically, what would he stand to gain by putting a? You know, that, that's the most ridiculous. The yeah, most ridiculous, ridiculous one of all, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I um, tell you what, you guys might you know, might want to tune into the uh, Close Encounters of the Nerdkind podcast because uh, we did a uh, conspiracies podcast recently on QAnon, Flat Earth, you name it. Oh, Flat Earth. I love Flat Earthers. Have you guys seen the uh, Beyond the Curve documentary on Netflix? 
This is the one. It's the it's the, it's the documentary about flat earthers. It's so good. It's so funny. There's a guy in it who there's different. They follow different stories, and one of them is a guy. He's scientific, but he believes on a flat Earth, and he sets out to prove through a series of experiments that the Earth is flat. But every time he does an experiment, oh. it just proves that it's round, <laughs> and he makes it more and more elaborate. And and it ends with like the like this is the ultimate experiment. This is definitely going to prove it, mm. and it proves that the Earth is round. And it, and it literally it's such a good yeah. like the, the main guy they follow. They say to him, uh, "How so? How do satellites get up in the end?" He's like balloons. Like just. <laughs> just... <laughs> Did you guys see Songbird? movie that was going to come out after you know when we were all allowed to go back to the cinema and now they've released it early and it, it's a movie that was made in lockdown about covid have you seen that oh no songbird songbird no they've just re- they've released it now it's like 13 pounds to buy it i think it's on sky movies or whatever it's all right i mean i don't think it's worth 13 pounds but you can see that they filmed it and there's only maybe a few scenes where people are together in it and a lot of the time they're in house chem suits or there's only two people. But you right. can see that they're never in the same scene together. So they've obviously filmed it really well in lockdown. But, yeah, it's all about oh, yeah. um, COVID oh, and people coming to take you away to the Q zone oh, if you've got high pressure. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you're renowned oh. for watching some good films over right. to be fair. Yeah, I'm looking for a Sharknado 5. I don't know about it. <laughs> Sharknado, Sharknado 5. Hmm. Have you? I mean, are you on Amazon Prime, Granny? Yeah. Because that is the yeah. craziest rabbit hole of rubbish B, C, and D yeah, movies yeah. ever. Yeah. I mean, we find ourselves. Well, have you watched? I tell you what, you want to watch, and all viewers, I want to promote another podcast. You've all got to watch BuzzFeed yeah, Unsolved. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Only the last series, though. It is on amazing. On it is amazing. The rest of it, uh, yeah, I've watched some of it. It's on oh, YouTube. Did you watch though. any of it? The whole thing's on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are hilarious, um, and some some of some of the unsolved mysteries are funny. But just watch Buzz, Buzzfeed Unsolved Crimes; okay. it's great. It's great. It's really good. Um, mm. I think that's probably going to bring us about to the end there somewhere. I noticed that Dan is sinking lower and lower yeah. into his chair, <laughs> and he's, uh, which is the uh, which is the sign that. Um, so let's, let's summarize. Just one before we go, I said this could be a what if. So, what about 2021? Any, do we try to make some forecasts now about 2021? I'm not not doing that anymore. That's one thing that I've changed big time this year is that I'm not looking, I'm not doing a Mystic Meg and looking into the future and thinking, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And if that happens, what if that happens? And then feeling guilty about what ifs that haven't even happened. So, I'm not doing that anymore. So, I don't know. (laughs) All right. You will. Dan, your predictions for 2021? <laughs> oh, man. I'm a little bit worried that the economy, even after we get the jab, so I think by, I reckon the summer, on a positive note, there'll be enough uh, versions of various different vaccines around the populace that we will start to come out of the pandemic. And, and see the light at the end. But I think it's going to take at least until the summer. But I think the problem is not only will we have the the aftermath on the economy, but good old Brexit will then kick in fully for the UK and probably finish us off. So, yeah, not good. Right. 
Will, we, will I have to fly over and put you down like a rabid dog all of the yeah. UK? Is that what has to happen? Brandy, what are your predictions for 2021? My predictions are optimistic. I think people are going to just pull their socks up and say, I'm sick of owning 2020 was crap. Whatever we're dealt with, whether it's Brexit or the economy or the fact that we can't go to Tenerife for a week in the summer, sod it. We're fine. We're alive and we'll all be okay. See, I think, I, I, I like that. That's good to have some positivity. I think that even if we come out of pandemic in the next two or three months because of mm. the vaccines, the world has changed forever. I think that people have just changed the way they live. This has sort of been the big unwind. And, you know, people have become used to staying home. People have become used to cooking for themselves yeah, again brownie, and brownie not eating out unnecessarily and just going on do, doing, doing, more, doing more exercise, because it's a good thing. Um, not going to the cinema. That's an interesting one. Someone who works in the movie industry, the movie industry is going to be like, will people go back to the cinemas? I don't know if they will. They will. I think it will be slow. People, people will go back to the cinema. I reckon. People will go back. People will go back to it all. I don't. I think you're wrong. I think people will, after a while, just be like, "Oh, remember that? Remember COVID?" I think people will bounce back pretty I'm, quickly. I'm with Brownie. I. I I think it would be really nice if some of the good things, the more positive uh, behavioural modifications that have come out of this, you know, actually stuck. But you know, two three years from now, we we will we'll just be looking back on it. It was just a thing, a time, something that happened, and everything else would have gone back completely. Like, it'd be like the Olympics. Yeah, it would be like yeah. the, the COVID legacy. Brexit mm, legacy. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Well, I guess we'll see. Maybe we can do a, a early in the year. Maybe we can look at the conspiracy theories. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so too. And uh, I think that's 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 probably all we've got time for, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice to see you guys, though. It's, it's really nice to see you guys. Yeah. So Lovely even though our listeners too. can't see us, but uh, no. just so you know, we're no. all healthy. We all look fantastic, except for Dan, <laughs> who looks like he's been in prison a lot of time. So right. <laughs> bye bye. So, thanks, listeners, and we'll see you in 2021. <laughs> oh, COVID. Oh, oh no, right. <laughs> oh, that's it. Well, we've got to self isolate. You can definitely get it online. <laughs> Wearing pure disguise